Turn to Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 1. Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 1. I'm going to read it from the, uh, uh, the NLT. It says this. The writer of Hebrews says this. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. So notice what he says. Stop going over the same stuff. In other words, what he's saying here, you ought to know this by now. Literally what he's saying. Let us go on. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. Let me read it to you from the New King James. It says this. I don't think I put that on the screen. But it says this, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ. The elementary principles of Christ. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation. The foundation of repentance from dead works, faith toward God, doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So listen, he, he, he says these things right here. He says these things are um, uh, elementary. He says these teachings are foundational. And everybody understands if we don't have a good spiritual foundation, we are not going to have a good building. And listen to what the foundational, in those verses, listen to what are elementary. And listen to what's foundational. That every one of us as Christians should know. And if we don't know, shame on us and shame on our church for not teaching us. Listen to what they are. Repentance from dead works. Faith toward God. Doctrine of baptisms. You know, there's more than... Notice it's baptisms, plural. There's more than water baptism. Doctrine of laying on of hands. Well, I've never heard any teaching on the laying on of hands. I see it in the Bible, I'll read it, but I don't even know why it's, what it's all about. The resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. Notice the writer of Hebrews says to the early church, this stuff you ought to know. This is foundational. And to be honest with you, many times we don't know the foundational truths. That's why we get squirrely. That's why we get squirrely on a lot of this teaching that you hear coming out of the church today. Because we don't have a proper foundation. He says these are foundational. These are things every one of us should know as Christians. Repentance from dead works, faith toward God, doctrine of baptisms, doctrine of laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. So we're going to talk about one of those tonight. And we're going to talk about the doctrine of laying on of hands. Over the last several weeks when we met on Wednesday night, I shared with you about the two ordinances of the church. Those ordinances being uh, water baptism and holy communion. And we learned that water baptism is a sacred rite of initiation into the body of Christ. It's not just being dunked in the water. It's a sacred rite of initiation into the body of Christ. We also learned that baptism is designed to accompany our faith as an outward expression of of our love for Jesus Christ. If you know Jesus as Lord and Savior and have never been baptized in water, you've missed, you've forfeited the first commandment. 
Everywhere in the New Testament, the Bible talks about repent and be baptized. As soon as a person accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior, they were baptized in water. Why? Because it's a evidence designed to accompany our faith. It accompanies our faith as an outward expression of our love for Jesus Christ. Then we talked about Holy Communion. And communion is a sacred event that demonstrates our ongoing fellowship and intimate connection with Christ and His body. It is a celebration of our relationship with Jesus and His family. Now, we've talked about that. not going to spend much time on that tonight. I will say this. The word commune, which we get the word communion, means to share intimately with another. Not only are we communing with Christ when we partake of communion, and we're going to partake of communion this Sunday. This Sunday in both morning services, we'll partake of communion. But not only are we sharing intimately with Christ, we're also sharing with one another. It is the basis of the word community. Therefore, Holy Communion is a sacred event that should be experienced with the full community of believers in the local church. In communion, we are declaring our union with Christ and one another. Okay? Union with Christ and one another. So, honestly, uh, when, we, when you partake of communion, you should be in uh, unity with other brothers and sisters. It's a, it's a wrong thing to come to church and take communion and be mad at somebody in another section of the church. It's a terrible thing. Terrible thing. Yeah, you're, 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 you're harming yourself. You're, you're partaking of Holy Communion unworthily. Because communion is about being in unity and communion with one another. And the least thing we can do is to be in communion or unity with our other brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. We wonder why churches have struggles and difficulties and don't grow when they every week they sit there and take communion and they're fussing and bickering and talking about one another. They're drinking damnation to themselves. Holy communion is a serious thing. And it's one of the things in the scripture that tells us why Christians get sick is they partake of holy communion in an unworthy way. And one of the reasons is because we're not in unity with one another. We're mad at one another. We're fussing at one another and sitting there and taking communion. And communion is all about being in communion with one another and with Christ Jesus. Everybody with me? Does that make sense to you? All right. Now, let's, let's move on real quickly. And let's talk about another thing that we see practiced in the church, the early church, all the time. Jesus practiced it. The early church practiced it. They even practiced this in the Old Testament. And, and the writer of Hebrews says that it was, it's an elementary, it's a foundational teaching. Yet most people don't even, Christians, a lot of Christians, don't even know it's a foundational teaching. They don't even know why we do it. And most Christians, unfortunately, don't do it. And that's the doctrine of laying on of hands. The practice. Why do we practice? Why we practice the laying on of hands? 
Because this ministry involves the laying on of hands, involves contact between two individuals. You can't lay, when, when you're laying on of hands, you're contacting another individual. So this ministry of laying on of hands involves physical contact between two individuals. We know that this ministry and this teaching is to be done in the, in the, the local church, in the community of believers. Since it's two individuals, it has to be other people involved. You can't get in your private prayer closet and practice laying on of hands. I never will forget, I was at a revival service, and man, it was wild. I mean, it was one of them old-time Pentecostal. It was wild. People were shouting, running, hollering, throwing their coats, knocking over chairs. I mean, it got out of control. It was more, it turned into flesh more than the Spirit of God. I mean, everybody was getting slain in the Spirit, and the, the evangelist got so excited, he'd, he'd lay hands on people, and he'd push half of them over, and some of them, the power of God hit them. But everybody was, everybody was going down. He got so finally, he got so excited, he got to the end of the row, laid his hand on himself, and went out. So, but you can't get in your prayer closet and lay hands on yourself. That's not what this is all about, okay? This is about, once again, community. Being sought and light in the world. Being sought and light. Extending the, the love and the compassion of Jesus to someone else. That's what the doctrine of laying on of hands is all about. So many Christians are not even aware of the importance of this practice. Neither do they understand what it means. It is considered a fundamental <coughs> and elementary doctrine of Christ. That's what Hebrews 6 says. It's a fundamental and elementary doctrine of Christ. And some of us want to go on. We think we're mature and we don't know the elementary principles of Christ. Let's go back to Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 again. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1. Let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. The writer of Hebrews is not minimizing the importance of these truths. In fact, he is, he is encouraging the believers, this is your foundation. You need to know this. And then you build on this. What are they? Repentance from dead works. Faith toward God. Doctrine of baptisms. Doctrine of laying on of hands. The resurrection of the dead. And eternal judgment. Let's just take one of them. And this is the one you can use at work. You can use it at home. And I encourage you to do so. And it's the doctrine of laying on of hands. Laying on of hands is a point of contact that serves as a vehicle of transfer. Laying on of hands is a point of contact that serves as a vehicle of transfer. See, left you already? When I lay my hands upon someone, my sister, 
Where I lay my hands is a point of contact. I contact her. Everybody understand that? When I lay my hands upon my sister, it's a point of contact. That point of contact serves as a vehicle of transfer. What's in me transfers to her. So laying on of hands is a point of contact that serves as a vehicle of transfer. You say, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Well, let me show it to you from Scripture. Turn back to Leviticus. Let's go to the Old Testament. This is not a new thing. Go to the Old Testament, Leviticus, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. It's the third book of the Bible. Leviticus chapter 1, the very first chapter, the first verse. Leviticus chapter 1, verse number 1 in the Old Testament. Leviticus chapter 1, verse number 1. Notice what it says. Now the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tabernacle, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When any of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the livestock, of the herd, and of the flock. Verse 3. If his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will at the door of the meeting, a door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. Verse 4. Then he shall put his hands, he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering. Who? The person that brings it. He shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. Now go over to Leviticus chapter 4. Leviticus chapter 4, verse 13. Turn over a few pages. Leviticus chapter 4, verse 13. Now if the whole congregation of Israel sins, if the whole nation sins unintentionally, and the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly, in other words, they don't know what they've done, they're in darkness, they didn't have the Holy Spirit residing on the inside of them like we do. We know when we miss it. If you're a child of God, you know when you miss it. You know it on the inside. The Holy Spirit will bring conviction. They didn't have that. So the Bible says, if the whole congregation of Israel sins unintentionally, and the thing is hidden from the eyes of the assembly, and they have done something against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which should not be done, and are guilty. Verse 14. <clears throat> when the sin which they've committed becomes known, then the assembly shall offer a young bull for the sin, and bring it before the tabernacle of meeting. And the elders of the congregation, now notice this, shall lay their hands... On the head of the bull before the Lord. Then the bull shall be killed before the Lord. So notice, if the congregation sins, and once they realize they've sinned, what they do is they bring a bull, an offering, a sacrifice, and the elders come and lay their hands on the head of that sacrifice. You say, well, what's that going to do? Well, go to Leviticus chapter 16 and I'll show you. Leviticus chapter 16, verse number 20. Leviticus chapter 16, verse 20. Notice what it says. And when he has made an end of atoning for the holy place, the tabernacle of meeting, and the altar, he shall bring the live goat, 
Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess it over all the iniquities, confess over it all the iniquities of the children of Israel, and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat into the wilderness. Notice it says, when the people sin, what they do is they bring this sacrifice, and the elders put their hands, and here the high priest puts his hand on the goat. He confesses over the goat the sins of the people, and then they release the goat into the wilderness. In other words, it served as a vehicle of transfer. He put his hand on the head of the goat and he confessed the sins of the people. The sins of the people went on the goat and notice what happened. They send the goat into the wilderness to get it away from the people. Laying on of hands is a point of contact that serves as a vehicle of transfer. A point of contact that transferred the people's sins to that which hands was laid upon. Side thought. Remember the Bible says that Jesus was taken, he was, he was tortured, he was tried in the city, but they took him out of the city to be crucified. Why? Because he was the goat. Just like they would send the goat away with the sins, they didn't realize what they were doing. They were fulfilling prophecy. They took Jesus out of the city, out into the wilderness to crucify him because they didn't want the sin. Because he became the sin for the people. Everybody still with me? Under the Old Testament law, the laying on of hands was a point of contact, whereas the sins of the people were transferred upon the goat. Well, why doesn't that need to be done today? Why don't we practice that today? Because Jesus became our sacrifice for us. He once and for all became the sacrifice for us. So we don't need the laying on of hands. Wrong. Today, the laying on of hands serves as a point of contact, but not as a transfer of sin, but as a transfer of blessing and power. The same power, the same practice is still in operation. In the Old Testament, it transferred sin. In the New Testament, it transfers blessing and power. Remember, we got a better covenant established on better promises. All right? For example, turn to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, verse number 17. Mark chapter 16, verse number 17. Mark 16, 17 says this, And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name will they drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people. And they will get well. Now the question is this, who is he talking to here? He's talking to disciples. He's talking, and who is, this, who is this promise given to? And these signs will accompany those who believe. How many believers do we have in the, the room? All right. The Bible says if you're a believer, you should be able to lay your hands on sick people and they'll get well. Well, when are we going to start handling snakes around here? We don't handle snakes. 
That talks about a, you, t- you, you interpret Scripture in light of other Scripture. You never interpret Scripture in light of itself. You interpret Scripture in light of other Scripture. We never find a Scripture in the Bible where it talks about using a snake in a worship service. We talk about snakes on the pole. Snakes were a sign of sin. And in the Old Testament, they put a snake on a pole who represented the sins of the people. We also see in the New Testament where Paul was gathering firewood... And he gathered up a bundle of firewood, and a snake was in the firewood and came out of the firewood and bit him. And they said, uh-oh, that's a poisonous snake. In five minutes, he'll be dead. Paul understood. They shall pick up serpents, and they shall not harm them. And instead of him falling over dead, he lived and had no effects. That's what this scripture is talking about. If you get in a situation where you're bitten and you have no help, you have no medicine, you have no... Uh, ability to overcome that venom, your faith can cause you to overcome until help arrives. All right? We're not, we're not, we don't have a box back here. I'm asked quite often, you Pentecostal? I said, well, I guess you can call us that. He said, where's your snake box? I've been thinking about getting one and putting it right back there and just say snakes and have a tape recorder in there of a rattler. Yeah, yeah, we'll see where faith is. James chapter 5, verse 14. I don't have to handle the snake to prove my faith. James chapter 5, verse 14. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another uh, for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse number 1. Look at Matthew chapter 8, verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Notice Jesus touched him. The healing anointing that was in Jesus when he touched him transferred into the leper and made him whole. Laying on of hands is a point of contact that serves as a vehicle of transfer. Jesus did this several times. Other times, Jesus just spoke and people were healed. Turn to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, verse 11. Luke chapter 13, verse number 11. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. Been sick, crippled for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her. And immediately she straightened up and praised God. He put his hands on her. I had this happen one time. Had a Presbyterian brother, him and his wife. He was a former teacher at Tennessee Tech. 
Technological University in the music department. He was also a chemist. And uh, he was a phenomenal musician, phenomenal saxophone player. He loved jazz, and he played music. He wrote some music for our, uh, our praise and worship team, and all of his songs ended with a jazz thing. It was, it was neat. We knew when he wrote an arrangement, it always ended with jazz. So uh, the Holy Spirit will move through jazz. How many of you know the Holy Spirit will move through He don't move through rap, but he moves through jazz. Okay. Um, and, uh, it, but what happened, this brother had a, a disease of his spine. And uh, he was with us for many years at our church. And when he first started coming over there, he heard about the healing. And that's one of the reasons he came over, because he had started walking like this. And when he'd look at you, he'd look like this. And doctors said, I don't know what they called it, said, well, there's nothing else we can do for you. Uh, arthritis had set up and all that kind of things. There's nothing else you can do for it. And, you know, him, him being a Presbyterian, he'd never heard anything of, about healing. He'd never studied on healing. He didn't even know this story was in the Bible till he came over to our church and started hearing that God was healing over there. He didn't know about this story, but he just heard God was healing at our church. So he came over. And I was preaching one night, and I happened to read this scripture. After service, I remember he came up to me. He said, I want you to lay hands on me. And I'd laid hands on him several times before. And he said, I want you to lay hands on me. I said, okay, I'll be happy to. He says, I'm going to get it this time. I said, why? He said, because I found a man in the Bible, uh, uh, someone in the Bible that had had it just like me, and God did it for them, and I'm, when you lay hands on me, I'm going to be healed in Jesus' name. And I laid hands on him. I said, well, I can agree with you. See, his faith got stirred. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. How many times have you heard a scripture preached or taught or something, and all of a sudden it just registered with you? It just clicked on the inside of you, and you say, that's mine, I can have that. That's a promise. Well, it, it clicked with him. It registered with him. He said, I found one now. You, you lay hands on me and I'll be healed. Within a matter of a month, he was standing up straight. Within a matter of a month, standing up straight. He found a scripture that pertained to his situation. And he, his faith rose up. And he said, if God did it for that lady, he will do it for me. Because God's no respecter of persons. But notice Jesus laid his hands on the woman. So, the doctrine of laying on of hands, it transfers healing. But it also is a point of contact that serves as a vehicle of transfer for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8. One of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Acts chapter 8. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Who were they? New believers. Why did they go down there? I thought when you get saved, that's all you get. Well, if that's all you want, have what you want. But they sent Peter and John down and said, Hey, there's a power that's available for believers. A supernatural power that's available. When they arrived, verse 15, they prayed for new believers that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received 
the Holy Spirit. When did they receive the Holy Spirit? When they placed their hands on them. It served as a point of contact that served as a vehicle of transfer. All right? Look at Acts chapter 19. Acts chapter 19, verse 1. Look over here to Acts chapter 19, verse number 1. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 6, when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Notice, when did that happen? When did they get filled with the Holy Spirit? When he placed his hands upon them. I can't tell you the dozens of times that's happened in healing lines. Healing lines. People lay hands on people and they get filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember I had one guy. It was a Sunday morning. He'd come up in a long healing line. He'd come up and uh, uh, we was praying for people. And it was for a healing. It was a healing line. And uh, he came up and I laid my hands on him. And when I did, I noticed he started, he started speaking in tongues real loud. Very fluently. And I thought, well, he's getting blessed. Hallelujah. Healing's going in his body and... He's, uh, it's overflowing, and he's just speaking in tongues, praise unto God. Went on through healing line, and uh, after service, he was the first one to come say, Pastor, Pastor, did you see what happened? Did you hear what happened? I said, no, what happened? He said, well, you lay hands on me. I said, well, I saw you got blessed. I said, well, did you get healed? No, I didn't get healed. I said, you didn't get healed? He said, no, but I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, well, I heard you speaking in tongues. He said, I've never spoken in tongues. I always wanted to speak in tongues. Never been filled with the Holy Ghost. Didn't know how to receive it. I came up for healing. You laid hands on for healing. I got filled with the Holy Ghost. I said, so did you get healed? No, I didn't get healed. Don't worry about healing. I'm just glad I got filled with the Holy Ghost. (laughs) That's about as crazy as that guy came up one time. I just did his funeral several months ago. Came up years ago. He came up for healing. And uh, I knew he had back problems. He was on disability for his back problem. So I, I didn't ask people. I w- didn't ask him what we're praying for. I was taking some time and asking everybody what we're praying for, what I'm going to lay hands on you for. And I didn't ask him. I just knew he was, had back problems. And I figured he, so I just started to pray, Lord, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this pain in his back. He grabbed my hand and pulled it down. I said, what are you doing? He said, don't pray for my back. I said, why don't you got back problems, don't you? He said, yeah, I got back problems. I said, well, what do you want prayer for? He said, I want prayer for I've had a sinus headache for two or three days. I said, well, I'm going to pray for you. But he said, no, don't pray for my back. If my back gets healed, I can't get my disability check. So, <laughs> honest truth, didn't he? Honest truth. Honest truth. Honest truth. Crazy things happen in a prayer line. Crazy things happen in a prayer line. 
So the laying on of hands is a point of contact that serves as a vehicle of transfer. In the Old Testament, it served as a vehicle to transfer the people's sin away from them. In the New Testament, it is a vehicle that transfers blessing and power, divine healing over and over again, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And then not only that, have you ever noticed when somebody is ordained or prayed over for ministry, they'll bring up elders and other ministers and lay hands on them. Have you ever noticed that? That's a scriptural standard. It's scriptural because it serves as a, a, a place of uh, anointing for ministry. Look at Acts chapter 6. Look at Acts chapter 6. Turn over to Acts chapter 6, verse number 1. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing... The Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. Verse 5. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man of faith, and Holy Spirit, Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parnius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles. Now notice this last phrase. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. Point of contact served as a transfer of anointing. From the apostles to them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. And a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. Go over to 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 12. Paul talking to young Timothy. young, Young preacher boy. He said this. Don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Verse 14. Do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy, when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Notice when young Timothy got ready to go into ministry, the elders laid hands on him. And when they did, a prophetic word came to young Timothy about his ministry. And Paul says, don't neglect neglect that which was given to you. Don't neglect that which was given to you. That happened recently to Amanda and I. Of course, in 1982, I was ordained. Ministers came down, laid hands on me. Any time I've been around ministers that are mightily used of God, I've had them lay hands on me. Because I understand the doctrine of laying on the hands. Amanda and I was eating with Reinhard Bonnke. How many have ever heard of Reinhard Bonnke? We had lunch one day with Reinhard Bonnke. And uh, we, were, we finished lunch, talked about ministry. Such a wonderful man, such a godly man. And preached to literally millions of people. People healed. I mean, just... We were walking to our car after lunch, and I kept trying to get up the nerve. And finally, we got out to the parking lot. I said, I, I, forgive me for asking this, but would you lay hands on us? 
right in the parking lot. I said, forgive me for asking, but would you lay hands on us? And I want what you have. He said, I'll be happy to lay hands on you. And right there in the parking lot of the rib restaurant, Reinhard Bonnke laid hands on me and Amanda and prayed for us. Brother Hagen, uh, uh, we, we drove several hundreds of miles to get Brother Hagen to lay hands on us because we saw what they had and we wanted that anointing to operate in our life. Recently, I was in Tulsa preaching and uh, a couple months ago. And uh, I, I wasn't preaching that night. It was Wednesday night, 500 ministers and their wives, and missionaries and their wives. And uh, I wasn't preaching. I was just sitting on the front row enjoying the service. I'd already preached. And uh, right after worship, the minister who was speaking that night um, gets up. And he, he says, Eddie, stand up. Eddie, you and Amanda, stand up. We stand up. He says, come here. And I came, and he gave a word of prophecy about the teaching on the thought life and what it was going to do for people. And, and then he said, put out your hands. And I put out my hands, and he grabbed them, and he prayed. And I literally sensed an, a special anointing going into my hands. And then he said, now you pray for the people. And for the next two hours, we prayed for people lined up from one side to the other, dealing with depression, discouragement, bound in their mind, things of that nature. The laying on of hands, the laying on of hands, now you say, well, what does this have to do with me and working at the school or working at the factory? If somebody's sick, won't you be bold and step out there and say, would you mind if I pray for you? Would you mind? And you don't have to make a big deal and you don't have to preach. You just lay your hands on their shoulder because it serves as a vehicle of transfer that transfers the anointing and the faith in you to them. Grab them by the hand. Hold their hand. Hold their hand. Today when I went to see Susan at the hospital, she's so weak and hardly talk. And I, I said, you don't have to say nothing. I just want to touch your hand. Because I just read that scripture in Matthew chapter 8 about Jesus touched people. And I said, I just want to touch your hand because I know the laying on of hands serves as a vehicle of transfer. You say, well, does it do anything else? One more thing and I'll close with this. Turn to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, verse 13. Then people brought little children to Jesus for Him to place His hands on them. Notice they brought Jesus, little children to Jesus to place His hands on them. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because they knew that Jesus, whoever Jesus touched got blessed. They brought little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them and pray for them. But the disciples rebuked them. Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. When he had placed his hands on them, he went on from there. So it, it's, it, it transfers blessing. Stand up with me, would you?